Good morning and welcome to Faithbrook Church. I'm Chrissy Thompson, our Children's and Family Director. We're so glad you're here with us, whether you're in person or online. Thanks for joining in. If you're a guest, a special welcome to you, and we invite that you grab a connection card from the seat pocket in front of you. Let us know you're here. Or if you're online, you can go to faithbrook.church forward slash guest, and we'll connect with you. And we are also making a donation on your behalf to our local Cross Food Shelf as a way to say thank you for joining in and also a way to contribute to our community. Well, our mission here at Faithbrook is to love God, love people, and to journey together. And a way for us to love God and love people locally here is by um, volunteering with our Feed My Starving Children nonprofit organization. Their goal is to provide nutritious meals to children worldwide, and we can help with that, and we need your help. So on March 11th and 12th, we are doing packing dates where you can come as a family, you can come as a couple, you can come as a life group. We would love to have your help for us to pack meals for these kids, and let's make a difference and love people and love God. Well, let's now welcome our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as we start our series, Your Move. So I want you to reflect back in your life and try to remember <clears throat> your first major financial purchase. That, that item or the event where it really cost you something. Maybe for some of you, it's first time you're like, I'm going to go and get an iPhone and get it under contract. And that's a, that was expensive. That was a big deal. For some of you, it's like, I remember when I first bought my first car. Uh, maybe you had to take a loan for it. Maybe you understood that, that you'd have to take some loans out for your education and you'd have to pay that back. And that was kind of nerve-wracking. How many of you had the privilege of, of buying a house and signing a mortgage? Isn't that a wonderful experience? So they bring you into this room and they give you like 100 documents and you're signing your life away, right? And they're like, Mr. and Mrs. Comfort, you realize this is going to be like 30 years. She's like, yeah, I, we understand that, Right. Uh, uh, just making major financial decisions is a big deal. We, we tried to research. We tried to get some knowledge about these steps or should I buy this or not do this? But ultimately, it comes down to your choice and it's really your move. Well, speaking of your move, that's the name of this February series called Your Move. I'm so glad that you've come to worship with us on this beautiful uh, winter uh, Sunday morning. Maybe you're watching from us from afar or, or just couldn't make it today. So welcome. Glad that you are here. Now, this series called Your Move is really a journey of processing into a life of abundance and generosity. It's, we're going to be learning about uh, generosity and some uh, finances. And I know what you're thinking. Uh-oh. Here it is. Here it is coming after my money, right? That, those preachers are notorious for trying to just manipulate people and get some money. And everybody's hanging on to their, par, their pocketbook. Uh, it's kind of like, let's, let's face it, that money is a very private matter. And um, ministers, you can talk about a lot of other things, but don't be talking about that money that's hard to get and it's all mine. So be very careful. In fact, it makes us nervous. And, and some of you might be uh, uh, tempted to check out right now. Now, if this thing is going to be about giving and, and money and all that kind of stuff, I'm no part, and, and I'm ready to just uh, let, let go. But before you go, okay, give me just a chance, because I promise you this, that this series is not about raising money. It's about raising our faith, about maturing in our journey with Christ. Now, when it comes to these decisions, 
Uh, you probably made money, or many decisions, right? Somebody's trying to offer you a warranty, or should you take a credit card for a discount? And is it a safe deal? Every time that we go through these decisions, uh, we learn something, right? Well, that wasn't smart, and, and that was a good choice, right? And we're trying to get better. The more we know, we learn that the more we grow. In fact, we get a little bit smarter, even in the finances, as we go through life. And the more we know, the more we grow. Well, did you know that God has a lot to say about finances? It's such a big deal in our life, right? Every day we got to deal with finances. Uh, should we uh, go in debt for this? Should we invest in this? Uh, how do we spend? And so the Bible has a lot to say about how we view it, how we manage it. Should we give? Should we not give? And there's a lot of information. Did you know that there's over 2,300 verses about wealth, possessions, uh, generosity, etc.? In fact, if you do a little deep dive on, on Christ's messages, like his parables and stories, we find that 15% of his stories were about dealing with possessions, how we view it, uh, what, do we, we, what do we do with it? Why would the, the Bible and God spend so much money talking about possessions and, and managing that. Because God knew and Jesus knew that money is one of the biggest stressors in our life. Can I get an amen, right? I mean, it's very common to have uh, fights and disagreements in, in marriages and relationship because it's such a big deal. But ultimately, God knew that finances and, and the lure of money would be one of the biggest competitions for our heart. That we love money and a lot of times we don't think we have enough money. Now, this morning, I, I, I could take you different places in the Bible, but I'm going to hone in on two chapters in the middle of the New Testament in the book of 2 Corinthians. I know you probably haven't been in 2 Corinthians lately, but there's two chapters where the Apostle Paul is teaching about this concept about uh, how we view money, what should we give, how much should we give, should we not give, and, and what that's all about as we move forward into a life of abundance and generosity. Now, you're welcome to open up your electronic Bibles. I doubt you can see a hard copy Bible uh, uh, in the darkness here, but we're going to have the scriptures up here on the, the slides. Now, let me give you a little bit of background on where this text is coming from. Uh, the Apostle Paul is the writer. Uh, some of you know that Apostle Paul was a Jewish man, and the Christianity was birthed through the, the, the Jewish people. Jesus was a Jew, and, and they, they found Christ. And eventually, God wanted the, the gospel message to go beyond the Jewish people. And back then, they called the rest of the people called Gentiles. So he, he called this man named Paul, and he said, Paul, would you go be my missionary to all these Romans and Greeks, all over the Mediterranean, eventually up to Europe? You know, this was 2,000 years ago, and Paul says, yes, I will. So Paul starts going on these missionary journeys and going into these Roman Greek colonies, right? And he's sharing this new religion, really, this new faith that Jesus Christ, who raised from the dead. And, and some people took to it and, and said yes to Jesus and started a new life. And next thing you know, there's these little uh, pockets of Christians, these little churches that are gathering together. And so he would go and share with them. And when he wasn't there in person, he would write them letters. Well, fortunately, we have many of his letters in the New Testament, his epistles. And one of them is uh, the, the Corinth church. He's coming to them. They've been corresponding with him about some questions and some issues. Meanwhile, he's in this, this, this Greek kind of city called Mesodamia. And they, they have a pocket of, of people, and he's, he's corresponding with these Christians, his, his church plant, right? And he is just uh, 
um, surprised on the amount of generosity and giving that they're giving. And you just can't hardly believe it. And so in this book of 2 Corinthians, in two of the chapters, 8 and 9, he starts sharing with the Corinthian people, you, you can't believe what I've found. In fact, he wants to encourage and inspire the Corinthians to kind of get on board with the mentality and the understanding of generosity and finances from the Macedonian Christians. And this is where we're going. Now, we're going to find out that it's not always easy because everyone has some uh, plight and some tensions uh, the Macedonian people didn't have it easy. It wasn't easy for them to give. The, the Corinthian people was like, well, I, I'm, I'm not sure, right? I'm not sure if I want to do that and, and just wait a minute. So here's, here's what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, first couple of verses. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. He's like, wow, okay, I want you to know this. In the midst of their very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Now, we're going to discover a couple things here. Uh, first is that the, these Macedonian Christians, something was happening financially in them, that they were in extreme poverty. A severe trial was happening in their, their midst. We're not sure exactly what's happening, um, uh, there, there might be oppressive taxes from the Roman Empire. Maybe there is a famine or something, but, but they're, they're struggling. And, and some of you might understand that, right? You might say, Jim, I'm kind of struggling now. I feel like we're in severe trial now. I maybe lost my job, or have you seen the, the inflationary prices these days? When's the last time you filled up your tank, Jim? It's expensive out there, right? I can't even take my family out to the restaurant because everything's going up. And, and before you know, we just kind of like there's tension. It was like, we can't afford anything. And, and we're under some, some trials of, of our own. Yet the scriptures tell us that they gave generously, richly. It was almost like this, this, this trial exposed their heart, exposed their generosity. And, and Paul's kind of blown away. He's like, I can't believe that you're giving in this way. You, you want to give this way. And so he's writing to the next church. It's like, man, you wouldn't believe this, uh, of how they view money, how they feel generosity, even though they're, they're broke and they're, they're, they're poor. They welled up in generosity. Now, through this series, we're going to, uh, today, we're going to learn three major principles and a couple other pillar teachings to help us journey in our way uh, to, to generosity. Remember, it's not about raising money. It's about raising our faith. And the more we know, the more we grow. What, what is our understanding? What can we glean from these teachings? And we're going to find uh, two of them real quick right here in the next verse. And so he says to the Corinthian people, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. Now, the word able is connected to their ability. Uh, Paul wants them to know that ability or I would call means, is a big deal to God. God and Paul himself knew <clears throat> that not everyone has the same kind of assets or resources. Uh, some people have some wonderful salaries. Some, some people just lost their job. They're, they're broke. And, but God brings it into the equation of what your means are, and everyone has some kind of means in their life. It's, it's a key component. 
Now, we also see a second key component to a, a journey towards generosity, and, and that is our heart. He says that they, they gave voluntarily, entirely out of their heart. This was not coerced. This was not forced. This was freely given an offering. Um, you know, in the, in the, maybe you grew up in churches where they used to term a free will offering. We just want to give a love offering. We're not forcing anybody. And by the way, God never forces people. He doesn't force us to receive him. He doesn't force us to receive uh, eternal life. And he's uh, definitely not forcing anyone to give because he wants it to come from the heart because the heart is a big deal to God. What is the motivation? And generosity is always tied to the heart. Uh, it's the spirit in the means that we give or not give or the amount that we give. Because God knows that what we give is really an indicator of where our heart is. In fact, Jesus talked about this in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be also. Now, I can easily prove this, right? What you love, you're going to invest in. If it's important to you, uh, let's just take, for instance, your kids or your grandkids, Right? I mean, we should love our kids, and let's face it, we shell out a lot of money for our kids. If they want a toy, if they want something or some clothes, we are ready to make it happen because it's close to our heart. We love them, and God knows that, uh, that our treasure is where our heart is. <clears throat> I, I appreciate what John Maxwell says, that you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. If you love something, your money's going to trail around, trail behind it, and be there. And Jesus knew that. Now, again, we're not trying to raise money here. We're trying to raise our knowledge. We're trying to raise our maturity. We're trying to raise our faith. Um, so there's, we're all on a spiritual journey. What of our means? What is our heart? And God invites us to move forward, whatever that is, uh, to a life of generosity. But ultimately, it's going to be your choice. It's going to be your move. <clears throat> Now, these Macedonian uh, Christians knew another principle. They understood the value of God's redeeming plan through the church. They understood that there is a plan, even a financial plan, and that God's kingdom and his churches and his people can't just survive by one or two people. Um, It's going to take all of them. And so they're like, hey, we realize that we need to help others. In fact, in those days, the mother church back in Jerusalem was suffering financially. And so between the Corinthians and Paul, they instituted, hey, let's just go around to all the churches and ask for everybody to give a love offering, a free will offering, so we can support these brothers and sisters. And the Macedonians people say, we get that. We, we know it's just not our church. It's just not our family. But we need to spread and to give. And, and here we go to support the cause of the church. He, in fact, he, he says this. They urgently pleaded for us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. Uh, it, it's, it's remarkable that the verbiage there is that they, they pleaded with us. Please give us the privilege. And Paul's thinking to himself, aren't you the, the poor people? You're under severe trial, and now you're pleading? Where's the offering plate? How can I give? How do you do that? Where, where does that come from of this urgency and the privilege to give to God's kingdom, to other people who's in need? That's incredible. 
I, I kind of learned this lesson a long time ago, my first little church in Ohio. I was pastoring, and we were just a little church of 30, and, and uh, we were kind of growing there and stuff. And, and part of our tribe is like we want every little church to kind of give a portion of their income, what God's brought in. We'd like for you to bring it to the other churches. It's called a, a district. And at that time, we were, I think we we're like at least 15%. Uh, we want to give to others. We're, we're some some um, administration duties, some world missionaries, uh, some pensions for retired pastors and all this kind of stuff. We're all play together. We can make it happen. So I knew what that was. Our, our goal was like, I, I think it was like $5,000. And uh, man, that was a lot for this little church, but God helped us. And, and, and we got the $5,000 and paid what was kind of expected. And so every year you had this assembly of these churches and everybody kind of reports. And it was my turn to report and God was helping us and, and God's good. And man, we paid our, our proportionment and woohoo, right? And they're like, great job, Jim. And that church, woo. All right, now, as we all go away, here's your goals for next year. Okay, this is what we're expecting. And, and, and they gave me the goal. It was like $8,000. And I thought to myself, $8,000? We barely gave them $5,000. How are we going to do that? And so I'm griping and whining. We're walking out of this church service, right? And I got these lay leaders next to me. And, and I'm like, oh, man, now we got to pay $8,000 in this wonderful spiritual lay leader slapped me on my back and said, what's wrong with you, pastor? It's not that we have to give God $8,000. We get the privilege to give God $8,000. Man, I'm telling you, I got really small, right? Real small. I'm like, what a poor leader I was. What I have zero faith, right? I'm whining about that we have to give an offering and I got to raise it or something like that. And he's like, yes, we get to partner with God. Do you know how many lives are being plus? Do you know how many people are going to be in hell? heaven. We, we get the opportunity, we get the privilege to expand God's kingdom and let's do it. Let's get back down there. I'm like, you're right, man. You're, you're right. You're, you got the right attitude. And this is the attitude that they knew that they were, they were in partnership with God's kingdom and a plan, financial plan, a spiritual plan with God. Well, Paul kept bragging on these Macedonian Christians. He says that they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. Well, how do you give in this way? They exceeded our expectations. I mean, they just gave over and above. These people are broke. They had every excuse to say, you know, Paul, you need to pass. We're under severe trial here. Something's going on. God knows our heart. You know, the current churches and the the Philippine church said that they can do it, right? But no, they're like, man, we want it. Here we go. And Paul's blown away. So how do you do that? How do you get to that kind of life to do that? What, what gives there? Well, I want to give you a financial foundational truth that they understood. And God wants us to understand. And here's the financial truth, that God owns it all. God owns it all. Um, Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. God created earth. He's given us opportunities and privileges and, and work ethics and talents and education. Here you go. And before you know it, he blesses us with these resources, salaries, uh, benefits, you name it. But he owns it. Now, this is a leap, right? For most of us, like, uh-uh, I, I earn what I have. You don't know what's in my bank account, but what's in my driveway and what's in my bank. I, I did it. I, I get up every morning. I work hard. I went to school. I educated them. And, and God, who's the creator, he's like a dad. He's like, I know, son. I, I allowed you to have that. 
I'm the one that gave you the brain power. I gave you the, the work ethic. I'm the one that's provided for your health and stuff to be able to get up every morning and provide for your family, have some pleasures and luxuries. And, and I don't mind you having these luxuries. I, I, good for you, man, that you got some kind of means, you got some kind of sign, but I'm the one that owns it. I'm the one that provided for it. Now, this is a shift in our mentality. Remember, we're not trying to raise money. We're trying to raise our knowledge. We're trying to raise our understanding that, oh, God owns it all. I'm just fortunate to have some of the blessings. And God's going to be calling us, and we're going to learn about this, to be stewards and managers of the things that we have. And, and some people have less, and some people have more. But God owns it all. If, you, if you've experienced some blessings, maybe it's a vacation, maybe you have a decent ride in your driveway and some food in your refrigerator, God's provided for that, and he owns it. He's just asking us, what are you going to do with it in the right way? Well, what else can we learn? We see in the scriptures, but since you excel in everything, he goes on, in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Now, the Corinth church saw themselves kind of sophisticated. They were kind of had some Greeks there, and they, they were proud of their languages and their knowledge. You know, we're just a little bit above. And so Paul, who's their, their uh, distant pastor, understanding that, you know, you really do good in these things, man. You know how to preach and teach, and you're smart, and you're nudge. You excel there, but you know where you kind of fall short is the giving thing. Now, how many of us probably qualify for that, right? That, man, we'll show up and we'll help this and this and that. But when it comes to the money, we're like, uh, I'm not sure if we're doing that well. We're probably surely not exceeding. Some people have done some research and he said the average churchgoer gives 2% of their income. 2% of their income. Now, if you, if you press somebody, only 2%, they say, well, you have to understand, you know, I got obligations, and we just bought this, and my kids are this and this, and, yeah, and if we can find 2%, man, that's pretty good, right? We all have some excuse, and so did the Corinthian people, right? And Paul said, you know what? My vision for you is not to just always be begrudging, and it's like, man, I'm so sorry, I feel guilty, we didn't give them much. I want you to have victory in this way. I want you to see the promises and principles of God that you can have financial freedom. That, that later on we're going to discover that the God, is, his vision for us is to be cheerful givers. That, that we're not like, oh man, here comes the offering plate, whatever. Man, we're like, yes, the, the, we, we got to manage our money so well and God is helping us through his premise, principles and his promises that man, we, we get to give. It's, it's a joy to give. That's the vision God has wants us to, to have. And the more we know, the more we grow, we understand this. And so that's what he says. Man, I hope that you excel in the grace of giving because you're doing good in other places. It sounds kind of like us a lot. So he goes on. He says, I am not commanding you. In other words, Paul's saying what we give or don't give doesn't, doesn't base on our salvation. Okay. And, and God doesn't force anything, especially in giving. I'm not commanding you, he says. But I want, you, I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others like Macedonian Christians. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Now what's he saying here? What's, what's important here? Is there's another foundational piece. Is that God is the first and most generous giver. See, God is never asking us to do something that he's not already have done. He went first. For God so loved the world that what did he? He 
gave. And what did he give? A couple of bucks? Did he give what he maybe he could afford? No, he gave the most expensive, precious thing in his whole world, and that was his beloved, begotten son, Jesus Christ. And my friends, it was super expensive for him. It crushed him, broke his heart to see him hanging on that cross for you and me. And then when he says, well, you might give me something, we're like, I, I, I don't know if we can. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure, right? He, he went first. He's so generous. He's willing to offer his grace. He's offered his mercy. God so many times is patient with us. He could if he wanted to just kind of crush us, right? But he's like, I understand. I'm, I'm going to give you my patience. I'm going to give you my love. And, and through our, our pilgrimage, he's going to give us the Holy Spirit with us. We, we've seen the life of Jesus Christ who modeled who God is. He, he modeled generosity, in the Lord's Supper at the end there, right? He gathered all the guys, and it was tradition that someone had to wipe the feet. They just, everybody's feet were dirty, and, and usually it's some kind of servant there. There's no servant. What did Jesus do? Let me go first. Where's the bowl? Where's the towel? I will stoop down. I will do that dirty job and wipe your feet. Why? That's his nature. God goes first. God is the most generous person. He understands about giving. He understands the complexities because he went. And when we give to him, it's really a response to God's radical mercy for us. His radical grace. It's a response of anything we give to him with our time, our talents, especially our treasure. So Paul kind of brings it to the end and says, and here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Okay, here's, here's kind of the bottom line right here. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. So they're all talking about this, this offering to the Jerusalem church and the Corinth people were all for it. And they were the first one to give. Let's go for it. And now he's hearing that they're kind of hesitant. They, they're not sure. They're kind of backing off in their generosity, right? Okay, now finish the work, he says, so that you eager, your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it. Okay, let's come through. You made a promise. Your heart was there, but now let, let, let's come through with it, okay? Now, here we go. Here's the key components here. According to your means, for if the willingness is there, the gift is accept, acceptable. According to one one has, not according to one what one does not have. And bring this all together we're going to see the three major components of a life of generosity. And that is our heart. It starts with the heart. It's got to be from the heart, right? And it's got to uh, match our means. And some people have different means. Let's be honest with our ability, okay? Because guys, most of us here have some salaries. We have some benefits. We have some resources. But really what's key is what's acceptable. So, so what is acceptable? Now, the word uh, acceptable in the Bible there means what's pleasing to God. God receives it well. He's like, yes, that, that's acceptable to me. And, and what is acceptable to God counts. He, he is watching. And so sometimes we have to ask ourselves, well, it's just, you know, 10 bucks a month given to church and God, is that acceptable to God? Is, is $50 a month, is that acceptable? Is $1,000, a million dollars? What is acceptable? What, what, what is that to God, right? Because that matters to God. Kind of reminds me of the story of <clears throat> this young father, Saturday morning, he's, he's chilling out. It's early in the morning. His little four-year-old daughter's playing around. And, 
and she's got this little kitchenette toys. And, and he says, hey, to this young daughter, would you bring daddy some breakfast? Oh, boy, the little four-year-old daughter's breakfast. Right? And she's got this kitchenette, right? And she looks around. She's like, oh, I know my daddy loves donuts, right? So she finds one of her plastic little donuts, right, in her kitchenette set. And she's got a plate. She plops that on there. And she comes out. Dad's sitting there in the living room. And he says, here, daddy, here's your breakfast. I got you a donut, man. Her eyes are glowing. And the dad sees that plastic donut and knows her heart and loves it, man. And he receives it. Oh, thank you, daughter. Thank you so much. He pretends he's, oh, that's the best donut I've ever had. And that little girl's eyes are just a glowing, and she has pleased her dad. And her dad is so pleased with her at a four-year-old that she thought about that and brought that to him. He loves it, right? Now, if it was 10 years later, and she's 14, dad's sitting on the, on the sofa and says, hey, I, I know your mom's fixing some stuff in there and stuff. I was wondering if you could bring, bring me some breakfast. And that 14-year-old daughter says, oh, yeah, yeah, dad, uh, yeah, yeah. And she goes in her room and says, well, here's a plastic donut. Uh, and, and comes down, here, here you go, dad, plastic donut. I mean, how well would that father receive that? I'm thinking he's like, really? And, yeah, but dad, I, it worked for me 10 years ago. And he's like, yeah, you were a four-year-old. Right? And you didn't know any better. In fact, you had no assets. You had no dollars, right? You didn't even know what that was about. But now you, you're a 14 year old. You know what dollars are. And I know what's sitting in your little room, right? Hidden away. I, I know you know. And I know you know what a donut is and a muffin and all that kind of stuff. You're bringing me a plastic donut. Could it be? A lot of times, that's what we give God. Because He loves us, He's gracious, He's not going to kick us out. And we're like, well, God, you understand? Here, here, here's a little plastic donut. Is that acceptable to God? Is that well pleasing to Him? He's like, oh, that's awesome, right? See, what we give or don't give matters to God. He, he is watching. There's an amazing uh, story in Mark 12. Jesus is in the temple courts, and people are coming and going. The temple courts was their church, or their synagogue. And in this court where people are coming, they had this like walk-through offering tubes. Uh, they installed these, these funnels that were placed on the outside and funneled down into the treasury. And so people would come, and they're doing their business. They'd come, and they'd give an offering to, to God and drop by these cones, and, and they didn't have dollar bills or electronics, whatever. And so they had these denarius, these heavy coins and stuff. And so a lot of people would just walk by those, those wooden coins and they wanted to make sure everybody kind of knew that they were givers, right? And they plunk down, throw those things in there and be clunk, 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 clunk. Like, oh man, that guy, that guy gave a lot, right? Now Jesus is standing on, on the other side. He's just observing people and, and his, his disciples are milling around and he's watching people give. Mm-hmm. And he kind of knows who they are. And so all of a sudden he, he sees this little meager little lady She's kind of walking over there, kind of embarrassed, and she gets close to those tubes, and, and she throws in a couple little pennies. And it's just a little tinkle there, and went down, and, down, and he's like, whoa, I, I just saw her put in some pennies. And because he's God, and he knew her means or her ability, it blew him away. In fact, in Mark 12, it says he grabbed his disciples coming over, did, did you see what happened? They're like, no, what are you talking about? Did you notice that lady right there? And like, I don't know. She said, I don't know. It doesn't look like much to me, right? She says, listen up, boys. Here's the deal. That little widow lady who is broke, who's poor, what she put in there was more than everybody else put in all together because her heart amassed her means and went over and above, and it was pleasing and acceptable to God. And I want to submit to you a lot of times, 
we are stingy to God. We're scared. We're not sure. And so we're just like, honey, do you, do you got something we could uh, give to God? And, and, you know, I think we can afford, you know, 20 bucks. Well, let's put that in there. Okay. And, and we have to ask yourself, is this acceptable to God? Yeah. Yeah. But God knows our heart. God knows that our kids need this. And God loves us. Right. And, and he does. And he doesn't come after us. Right. But he's watching what we are giving to him. He's given to us, right? He's just asking us to make the move, to make the choice all on your own, voluntary, what is acceptable to him. And the scriptures tell us that God gives us a freedom to give from the heart. And that should match our means that God would see acceptable. Heart means it's going to come to be acceptable to God. And we each have to journey with this. We each have to figure out what that looked like for us. Where am I at financially? Where's my heart? Is it acceptable to God? You know, it was interesting. The church consultant was doing some research on how people give and where, what kind of category do they fall in and discovered that most church people, Christ follower people fall into one of five different categories. Uh, the first one is the, the pre-giver. You might fall into one of these categories, right? The pre-giver is the one that does, it's not giving. Uh, well, they could say, you know, I just lost my job. I got no money. I just no way to give. Just I'm, I'm broke. Okay. Some people are just like, well, I'm not giving a church, you know, because, man, that, 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 that pastor, he's trying to pad his pocketbook and, you know, make bigger churches and all kinds of, I'm not doing that, a rip-off scandal, right? Okay. Some people just think church is free, right? Well, someone's paying for the lights and the insurance and salaries, and don't you have some kind of, like, mega headquarters or something, just drop money into Faithbrook and, and this kind of stuff, so I don't need to give. It just, it's, everything's free. It's fine, right? Easy. And these are pre-givers. They haven't grown in their knowledge enough to say, oh, it's not free, or we can trust the church, and they're highly responsible, right? They're, they're pre-givers. You, you might be in that, in that category. Second one, he says, we notice there's a lot of um, periodical givers, right? Periodically, they give. Now, this is a good sign because a lot of times their, their, their heartstrings are pulled. They're motivated by the heart. And so maybe they hear a need or there's some compassion. They're like, man, I want to give to that. I hear her family in the church is struggling. Man, we want to give. Or, or the church is struggling or something. We, you know, just let me know. We're, we're going to give periodically. And this is a great area because it starts with the heart. The problem with, with this is that the heart is not always consistent, Right? One month, we feel like giving, maybe in a big way, generous way. Uh, next month, we're like, I don't care. And it's kind of all, all over the place. Now, when you do God's church work and you're trying to um, reach and, and, and redeem a broken society, uh, that's hard on churches because you never know what's coming on. Well, you know, their, their, their heart this month is wanting to give. The next month, I don't know where their heart is. And, and it's hard to have confidence in budgeting. It's hard to have confidence in programming when, when you never know. It's just periodically from the heart. Well, a third level that I discovered is people that are proactive givers. Now, these are the people who see the value in the mission. They understand that the church is not going to survive and God's kingdom is not going to do well if we just once in a while went over the heart. So they're like, hey, we want to be proactive. We want to give on a pretty consistent, maybe proactive way. And, and here you go. Uh, in fact, here at Faithbrook, we have a 
church app, and it's very easy to, to give a donation. And there's an option that says reoccurring. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to give a certain amount of money every, every month or, or whatever. And, and uh, once in a while, people will hit reoccurring. And man, this is so helpful, right? So when we're looking about programming in the future, we're like, okay, we, we pretty much, this is what we can plan on. It's wise, it's, it's right. Um, that's awesome, right? Now the, the, the negative side of that is, is that you're just doing a proactive 20 bucks a month. A lot of times that's not matching the means. God's given you more than that 20 bucks right, to give. And a lot of times just because you're proactive, doesn't mean it's matching your means and it's not probably acceptable to Christ. Now, the fourth category they found is that some Christians go by the to percentage giving category. Um, they find a percentage and say, this is what we're going to consistently give. Many people hone around this 10%. They call it the tithe. This, this was birthed out of Abraham in the Old Testament. Abraham was just wanted to honor God in a significant way and, and say, God, you know, I honor you with my worship. I honor you with sharing with people. I'm, I'm trying to bless other people, but I also want to give you financial. And so he says, I'm going to give God 10% of what he gives to me, my cattle, sheep, whatever. It, it's just kind of like putting you first. Proverbs 3 talks about this concept of giving God first fruits, right? So we have a harvest, and so our our first fruits are going to go to God because we want to let you know, God, that you're first in my life. Some Christians call it lordship factor, that God, now you're Lord, you're you're the owner, you're the boss of my life, and I just want to start by giving you 10%. We're going to live on 90%, right? And I know some of you are thinking, how in the world can you live on 90%? I can barely make it on 100%. Are you kidding me, right? In the next couple weeks, we're going to talk about how God's promises, provisions, can, and principles can help you live on nine, and flourish with nine, 90%. So some people say, I can't afford to give 10%. There's tithers out there that say, man, we can't afford not to give 10% because we've found God true. We've found that God has our back and he has provided for us. And so they give it this percentage level. Maybe some people give 5%. I don't, I don't know, but it's percentage based what we give. And then the fifth one is the, the uh, plentiful uh, giving. <clears throat> this, is, this is coming over and above our tithe or our offerings. So like, hey, we know there's something special going on. Maybe the church needs to uh, add on to uh, a wing or something. Uh, um, two years ago, we wanted to bless a poor church down in El Salvador with a mini soccer field. Well, it cost $12,000. Um, we went down there and built it ourselves, but they didn't have $12,000. So we asked the people, could you give over and above? Maybe some of you have $200. Some people have $500. Some people gave $1,000. This is this category of plentiful. Man, I got some savings. We've, we've, God's blessed us. And so there's some chunks of money. And, and this is the plentiful giver. So when we see this, we got to ask ourselves, hey, which, which one do I fall in? Am I am like pre-giver? Mm, no. Maybe it's proactive or, or plentiful. Everyone kind of falls into one of those categories. And God is asking us, right, to, to learn and where we go from here. Because what we're learning, it starts with the heart. It kind of has to match our means to be acceptable to God. And, and, and this is this journey. This is this moving forward to this life of generosity and a, an abundant type of mentality. So here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to check your heart. Does it match the level of giving? Where, where you are in your spirit and your heart is does what you give match to God? And I want you to check your means. 
is it acceptable to God? Uh, if you have some means, right, what you give is, or are you kind of giving God plastic things? Well, God, God, I hope this suffices, and please have this, but really, you can afford to give real donuts and something genuine to God. But ultimately, it's your move. But the more we know, the more we grow, and it helps us to make that move of what we give or don't give and how we give and even how we view our, our money. It's your move. I remember when Terry and I had to make some financial moves, especially in generosity. We were in love with Jesus. I got called into ministry. And so uh, the way our, our people said, well, why don't you go to Bible college in Calvary Springs uh, and start getting your pastoral biblical education? I, we didn't know a soul in Calvary Springs, never been to Calvary Springs. So, so we were just young, married, maybe two years into it, right? And we go to this place, and we sign up, and uh, I got a part-time job at a grocery store, and, and Terry got a, um, a job, and we had this little apartment, you know, and we didn't have kids yet, and, and we were just trying to manage our little bit of money, right, and, and, and go forward. And nobody really taught us about generosity and stewardship or anything like that. Well, we're going to this church, this local church, sitting right like where you are. And this church is going into this major financial campaign to bring down their debt. They were too, too heavy in debt. And so they're going to be asking everybody. And we're like, well, you got any money? We're just two little scrawny kids here. But we sat there and started listening to God's principles out of his word. We started learning about his promises and his provisions. And we became learners because the more we knew... And and knowledge, the more we grew into to the promises of God, and ultimately it came down to the decisions on where we were going to put God in our finances. How are we going to view God? Are, are we the owners, and we do whatever, or is God the owner, and we're just the managers? He's asking us to be generous. He's asking us to manage it well, and we made some specific financial, personal uh, changes in our life. We decided to give at a certain level, right? That meant we're looking at each other, it's like, you know, if we give God this meant we're going to have to sacrifice over here. We, we just can't do everything that we, and we came to that Christian decision of, yes, we're going to do this. And that was over 30 years ago. And frankly, my friends, sometimes it's been tough. Sometimes it's been very, uh, sometimes painful. We're like, hey, let, oh no, we, we told God we was going to do this. And we're like, oh, no, we better not. Let's just live content with what we have. And, and you might be saying, man, you guys must have really suffered. You guys must be broke. You must have had a, a, a dud life, right? But can I tell you something? God is true. God has helped us and, and blessed us. And we would never change that. If we've been so financially secure, God has had our back. God has done miracles in our life. He has richly helped us. Oh, you got a big bank account? Jim, you got some big house and no, we don't, but we got a big heart, right? And we got all kinds of friends and got all kinds of hope and, and joy. And we see lives change and, and we're in partnership with God. And we've been richly blessed. God's promises have never let us down. And this is kind of my heart for you. It's not about raising money. The Faithbrook Church is not hurting for money and all this kind of stuff. It's about raising your faith. And I'm going to introduce to you life-changing principles and pillars and promises that will help you live financially free and ultimately give joyously that you want to be like the Macedonian churches, church people that they, they beg for the privilege to give. Well, two things before you go. Three things before you go. Number one, I want you to do this. Would you have the courage, no matter what you think about this guy, talking about giving and generosity and money and all kinds, would you just give me a chance and listen to the next three sermons? Next three. You don't have to receive it. 
Don't do anything with them, but at least listen. Number two is pray about it. God, open up my heart. Open up where are we at with this, right? Okay, where's my heart? Where's my ability? And is this acceptable to you? Just, just pray about that. those two things. Those two things. Finally, the third thing is, you know, we're, we, we're not to, trying to offer you here, Faithbrook, some plastic things that are cheap. Um, in fact, this morning, we want to offer you the real deal. And so everyone that's come this morning gets a real donut on your way out, okay? A ooey, gooey, nice donut. Please take one, all right? Because I don't want to take them home. We want to bless you. Meanwhile, let's stand and let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we're so grateful that you were the first one to give. You modeled generosity, and you gave yourself, your son, and hung on that cross that we might experience a new life with you. That eventually when the time comes to death, we have eternal life in heaven with you. Thank you, God, for being so generous. Now, Lord, as we process all this information, these life-giving truths and, and promises of your word, help us to be open. Open up our hearts, God. Open up our minds, God. Because finances and managing it and giving or not giving is very complex and can bring some, some, some tension. So would you just um, help us to explore uh, your word and your truth that eventually, God, that we move into a, a life of generosity. We love you. We need you. And help us to be generous to all the people we see and deal with this week. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, God bless. Thanks for coming. Be sure to get your donut on your way out. You're dismissed. <laughs>